0: Welcome to Basketball Buzz, the show that combines three great things Kentucky basketball, college basketball, and bourbon. I'm one of your three hosts, Arizona Terry. With me are Shay and Michael. Guys, I would ask you how you're all feeling, but I imagine we're all a little bit annoyed about our Kentucky Wildcats at this point. Am I on track? I'm annoyed about more than that, but yeah, <laughs> that's true. Think <Did> you <laughs> hit the nail on the head? Uh, there's just so much to complain about. Like, we laid an egg versus Kansas. We win at old Miss. Brings us a little bit of hope. Then we got a home win versus Florida, even though it wasn't, like, as convincing as I would have liked. And then we played a really atrocious second half versus Arkansas. And we are most definitely – a bubble team right now like arkansas is no longer on the bubble they've moved on but here we sit so i guess we could talk about those topics or we could just vent for like 45 minutes whatever you guys want to do does that sound all right Mm, sure (laughs) boys let's talk bourbon michael are you
1: going to do a bourbon review tonight uh I mean, I think I owe it to our fans out there to do a bourbon review, right? Like that just makes sense. So I'm absolutely going to do that. Let, let let's do that. Um, everybody knows uh, Kentucky bourbon is some some good stuff. It's some of the best best stuff in life. However, let's let's not be so obtuse to think that there can't be good bourbon outside of the Commonwealth. So. I'm starting to notice, I mean, uh, Terry, you you, uh, you drink the Smoke Wagon. That's uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm a whore we, had, for them. I'm uh, a whore I for mean, them. Of course you are. Uh, we should get a corporate sponsor. But uh, I digress. So uh, I, I picked up something called Iron Fish. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a great looking bottle. It's It's got a picture of a fish. Can't really tell what kind of fish it is actually kind of looks like a shark maybe Mm, probably isn't but uh nevertheless uh the bottle's kind of cool this is bottled in a place called thompsonville michigan never been there don't know it uh probably a great place thompsonville michigan um this is uh bourbon whiskey finished in maple syrup barrels it's a farm mm-hmm. blend. I don't know what farm blend means, but uh, what I can tell you is it's 86 proof, um, which is kind of my sweet spot. Um, it, it, it is on the nose. Uh, this is going to come as a shock, I'm sure, because this is finished in maple syrup barrels. I get a hint of maple. Uh, actually, it's a lot more than a hint. Uh, it's really overpowering with maple, but not in a bad way. Um You can also maybe smell uh, some buttery caramel, like maybe. uh, uh, Oh, I'm gonna date myself here. Did anybody else's grandfather ever give them a Werther's original candy back in the day? Because that's kind of what this smells like.
0: It's really really good. I actually give those out because they're delicious.
1: (laughs) Oh, so you are the grandfather now?
0: Yeah, I'm the I'm the the candy man. Like I'm like the 50 year old creepy guy that gives out candy. Do, Do you do it out of a back of a station wagon or a minivan it's, or it's, it's a van with no windows <laughs> oh uh, gosh this is gonna uh, this is gonna I'm, go off real quickly i'm kidding it? no okay like, all right i always all have right. candy bowls in our house because we all get sweet tooth and so you know sometimes a worthers is perfect
1: yeah yeah absolutely so I, I on the nose again i i get a little worthers. uh even maybe get a little bit of cinnamon uh very pronounced with maple um on the palate uh, again, no surprise, uh, this is a very sweet bourbon. You taste the maple, it comes through, it's it's full, it's rich. However, um, well, I can't say that this is a complex bourbon. Uh, there is a balance to it. It's not all like one sweet note. Uh, there is a bit of of spice, uh, a, a bit of rye that you can taste. So uh, you know, a, again, a little bit of a balance. Mm-hmm. Um, the finish, very smooth, uh, very sweet. There's minimal alcohol burn. Um, it, it's, it's exactly what it says. It is. It, it's, it's maple. Um, this is delicious. I got it at uh, total wine here in, in Denver. And I think I paid 50 bucks for it. And as, as much as I love bourbons that t- probably the typical bourbon that, that I drink uh, is in that, uh, maybe 60 to 80 range. This is a little bit cheaper. And because of that, there's more of a value. Um, I, I really like it. I like it a lot. Um th- this is kind of a cool place though, because uh Iron Fish is making stuff in barrels that uh have been exposed to mezcal, uh Tawny port, which is wow. one of my wife's favorite things. Um they have a couple of uh Caribbean finishes. Uh they they do some cask strength. And they're in the process of making this a, um, a one-stop shop. Right now, um, they're not that old, so they're still doing some other things off-site. Um, but that's the goal is to be able to bring everything together. Uh, th- this is actually delicious. And because I love a sweet bourbon, um, I, I'm going to give this a four and three-quarters barrel. Uh, the only thing that gets a five-barrel for me is Pappy 23. Um, but I, I got to say, for for the money, the value, if you like a sweet bourbon, that's not overpoweringly sweet. Like, this isn't an after-dinner bourbon. This is a great sipper, whether it's, it's rocks or neat. Uh, this is delicious. It, it may get lost in uh, a cocktail, um, unless this is the flavor profile that you want. But otherwise, this is outstanding, and I'm going to keep drinking it. Michael,
2: let me ask you. You said something about mezcal. You said it's it's aged in in mezcal. What did you say?
1: So the the apparently the barrels that some mezcal can be aged in, this those barrels are used not for this particular finish, but others within the ironfish family.
2: Oh, wow, so okay.
1: Yeah, they're, they're they're doing a little bit of everything. No, that that would be strange. <sighs> that that would truly be strange to have yeah. mezcal and any type of a maple syrup uh, concoction. Uh, so, but but overall, you got to try it.
2: So, if if listeners don't know, mezcal is my second favorite spirit behind bourbon, and there are a lot of similarities between mezcal and bourbon. I think the smokiness um, is something that both drinkers would like. Mezcal is, I don't find it that offending tasting by any chance, but I know that certain people either they they swear by it or they they swear don't like it. it. Yeah, it, but it's it's very good. In cocktails, Uh, but if people don't know, mezcal is is almost like how bourbon is to whiskey. Mezcal is to tequila. So uh, tequila is made with the blue agave plant. Mezcal is made from various different agave plants, but generally made in the state of Oaxaca in Mexico. Um, Tequila is cooked in in ovens. The agave plant is cooked in ovens during the before the distillation process. Uh, Mezcal is cooked in under the earth in lava within lava rocks, which really gives it that smoky flavor. Tequila has aged. Sometimes, you know, you'll get the Blanco, you get the Anejo, you'll get the Reposado. Uh, mezcal is always clear. And so that's kind of a little bit of a, you know, rundown of Mezcal. It's very popular out here in Southern California. I love it.
0: I think it's amazing. It goes really well with citrus. Well, you, you're about to say something, Terry, go ahead. No, dude, you're just, you're giving us so much knowledge about yeah. Mezcal. Like I don't know a lot about it. Like, That was amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, I love mezcal. I I, Honestly,
2: mezcal, I've been drinking. I drink bourbon and then mezcal here and there, especially in the summer. Um, And usually I put mezcal in in mixed cocktails, but in in Mexico, it's drink straight. And often um, you'll find really nice bottles of mezcal with the agave worm in the bottom. I don't know if you've ever seen that. You'll sometimes see that in Texas. So there's a rumor that if you eat the agave worm, you will hallucinate. But that's not true. I've never done it, but it's just a marketing gimmick. Um, And then Mezcal has a lot of – what's cool about Mezcal is that it has a lot of uh, grassroots type of um, mom-and-pop type of feel to it because the – each village in the Oaxaca region will, like, almost create their own take on Mezcal. And so there are a lot of restrictions on who can and cannot make Mezcal that are um, a bit controversial and changing in the upcoming future. Um, But keep an eye out because you'll see – in the future that big brands will have something called agave liqueur and that will be mezcal but it, i think it's going to be a rule that only mezcal can come from oaxaca so i mean if you haven't tried mezcal i highly recommend um like a mezcal with lime juice or with with um you know cointreau um, just something that's really citrusy it goes it pairs really well you get like a, a smoky citrusy cocktail um maybe put a little bit of tahini on the rim uh, a little bit of tamarind amazing
0: Look what you unleashed, Michael! <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I had no idea, but but now tremendous. I, 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 I want I want a mezcal cocktail. I, I, I want I want to drink something. Total wine.
2: We, um, all of those places they'll carry it near the tequila. Um, I recommend Del Maguey. That's one of the. It's in it comes in the green bottles. It has a very cool art deco almost ish looking um or like almost like a Pablo Picasso type of painting on the bottle. Um, you've seen it. You've probably seen it at, at restaurants. Um, but that's the one I highly recommend. It's it's very
0: good. Very, very good. Nice. Let's just go to Irvine and have yeah. like Shay just do like an in-service, basically. Right trip. One, right. one of my favorite cocktails actually is called um
2: it's a take on the cocktail called The Last Word. And mm. I don't know if you heard the last word cocktail. It's like a prohibition era turn of the century type of cocktail. This cocktail is called The Last of the Wahakins. And um, basically, it is mes- equal parts mezcal, lime juice, quant- oh, sorry, uh, green chartreuse, and spicy bitters. So you get like a spicy lime, smoky cocktail, and um, you, you serve it in, I think it's a gimlet glass, uh, completely chilled. Fantastic. I'll make it for you guys next time. I usually top it with maybe like a, a little slice of jalapeno or, um, you know, sometimes a, a little bit of like a little, uh, r- 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 little peel of lime. Amazing cocktail.
0: So the last word, like a prohibition era cocktail? It, it, the
2: last word is a prohibition era. I think it's with gin, but I think you swap out the gin with mezcal and you add spicy bitters. Or you can use um, ancho reyes chili liqueur. That's really good as well.
0: Oh, My wife would like this because she's like major prohibition. Hashtag yes. Lori. Lori hates bourbon. because. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sad, Qu- quick sad. question, uh, Michael, since you're talking about Iron Fish and they're in uh, Michigan. Yes. Are they any way affiliated with Traverse City whiskey?
1: They're not. Um, that, that's a fair question to ask, though. Um, I, I a lot of people probably have had that whiskey. Um, I keep on the regular Traverse City uh, uh, cocktail cherries, which are okay. absolutely outstanding. Uh, but no, n- no relation – Those guys have been around a lot longer than Ironfish, but I'd say Ironfish is definitely an upcomer, and um, they do have a product line that is much more than just the maple syrup barrel finish, so I'm going to check it out. Again, go to your local. Uh, For me, there's one right down uh, the the road for me that I want to give a plug for. It's Wallabies Liquors, and Wallabies does an outstanding job. It's literally within walking distance of my house, which kind of makes it dangerous. Um, I usually go there about once a month and get a few things for the show, a few things that aren't for the show. Julie gets a few things. We were looking for a 40-year tawny port. They did not have that, so we had to go to uh, Total Wine. And Total Wine didn't have the 40-year tawny port either. They had the 30 but not the 40. Uh, but what they did have was uh, two entire, like, football fields of whiskey. So uh, the Iron Fish caught my eye for the very first time and it won't be the last and what's the name of the liquor store again uh the one down the street for me is wallabies
0: wallabies interesting yes. yes and that's within crawling distance of your house uh yeah. <clears throat> allegedly yes <laughs> okay no but definitely a shout out to traverse city whiskey because if you haven't had that brand the barrel proof fantastic like michigan does some good whiskeys and iron fish sounds like they're right in the mix with that. So I'm going to be kind of boring tonight. Cause I'm in a Marriott in the Dallas area and well, this Marriott does not have a lot of uh, bourbon options. So I'm going with the classic Buffalo trace shout Gee. out, shout out joy, the bartender. I'm like, joy, I have to go do a podcast upstairs. She goes <laughs> a podcast. What kind of podcast is it, Terry? I'm like, well, it's a basketball and bourbon podcast. She goes, funny, my son loves college basketball and bourbon. Wow. So we're gonna we're gonna have at least one download tonight after this nice. show. Cause Joy's son's gonna, gonna listen to our show. So this she poured me like four ounces of Buffalo Trace and gave me a good price. And God bless Texas, man. It's good stuff. There you go, Shay. Yeah.
2: Um, like Terry, I'm a little boring tonight. I'm having the old uh, trusty Bullet, but I'm hoping my rundown, office reference, by the way, the rundown, <laughs> my rundown on on uh, Mezcal can keep you a little entertained. But I can't say that my tastes have definitely changed after having a lot more bourbon. I'm coming back to Bullet. I don't see as much depth in Bullet as I once did. And I think maybe that my flavor palette has been a little ruined by Woodford, Woodford Double Oaked and the other ones I've tried. Um, it's definitely now, again, very citrusy. Than, I, than what I remember, and a lot more, a lot lower proof than I remember, if that makes sense. Um, still a very good bourbon. I think it'll be great in mixed drinks, but it's not as enjoyable as it once was. And so I think that's just me expanding my palate, uh, which is what's
0: going on here.
1: The, the genie You're, is out of the bourbon bottle. He's an old man bourbon drinker now. <laughs>
0: yeah. I gotta have at least 120 proof. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it is true though. Like the, when you start creeping up the proofs, it kind of makes the other ones like, well, it's okay. I'll drink it in a pinch, but yeah, it makes it different. Thanks for the mezcal knowledge. Shay, that's going to no be problem. something else. We're going to yeah, totally promote, stuff. promote the hell out of that. So, yep. all right, let's talk. I'm going to just open it up. You guys take, take control of this. Cause I am literally drained from being so upset that Arkansas game, like basically we had like identical resumes (laughs) and here we are at home with them. If we win, we're probably off the bubble. We see that Arkansas is no longer on the bubble. We're, we're still there. So give me your thoughts on it. I mean, it was like very competitive first half, but the second half it kind of fell apart with a couple of turnovers in a row. Obviously Oscar had trouble once again, down low with any, uh, buddy guarding him with length, just kind of a tough game to watch and it was kind of kind of horrible being here in uh, Dallas and having to withstand watching that so give me your thoughts
2: yeah I don't think that what one thing is that the expectations of this season have kind of changed and one of the things the cats did even in the loss that exceeded my expectations is the offense looked actually watchable and it has looked for several weeks now, and I think the cats have kind of figured it out on the offensive end of the basketball. The problem clearly is defense, and unfortunately, as we mentioned earlier, Oscar Sioboy she- seems to be the problem on defense. Um, you saw a clear difference, and I cannot believe that I'm saying this because I haven't been the best or biggest Damian Collins fan, but he the offense looked much better with him in the game. The defense looked much better with him in the game. It looked like his ability to switch, his ability to protect the rim, really changed things. I mean, the, the, Makai Mitchell and I don't even know the other twins' name, they're just not very good basketball players. And there's no reason Oscar Sheboy should struggle against them unless the game planning from Eric Musselman was so good that it neutralized him. And that was really unfortunate to watch, especially in Rupp Arena. I thought Kentucky looked like the better team through maybe – you know, 25 minutes of the basketball game and then just completely fell apart, completely fell apart. And Cal did not go to Damien anymore. And again, surprised to say that I, I'm asking for Cal to go to Damien asking him to go to Ugo, but yeah, we really did not look good. And he rode Oscar despite those issues. Um, But I will say that offensively, I think we found a rotation that works I would like to see a little bit more Tiro. I'd like to see a little bit more Ugo, but I understand why those guys may not be playing. It's definitely not a good look for the rest of the season. I'm hoping that perhaps the cats can make it into a playing game, but I just don't see with the issues defensively. And again, the issues defensively are not, they were an effort issue with Oscar. I think he's putting an effort now. I just think it's a physical limitation issue. I mean, he's a 6'8", 6'9", guy with limited athleticism, not that much length, crafty on offense, but I don't think there's much he can do. And we really need to explore if it's not working, maybe taking him out early in the game, playing him for two, three-minute stretches, and giving Collins and giving Ugo a chance out there because Ugo can really defend, uh, especially if the other team doesn't have a dominant big man like the Mitchell twins are not dominant big men. I'm okay with rolling dice with Ugo because you know he gets eaten up by premier big man like um Hunter Dickinson, but he's I don't think he's gonna have that same issue with some of the mediocre big men in the in, in the SEC. So that's kind yeah. of my thoughts. I'm I'm I still feel positive that we can win some games. Whether we make the tournament, it's kind of pointless to me. I just wanna see some good basketball. That's all. Um if we don't make the tournament, we don't make the tournament. If we make the tournament, I just don't see us going super far either.
1: Um, I, I'll start with, with the good, uh, and that won't take very long. So, um, was impressed with, uh, Livingston, uh, actually got up 10 shots. I, I'm not sure that there's been a game this year where he's had more, he may have taken more than 10 shots in the game, but he had half of the shots, uh, also pulled down five boards, shot really well. I think overall from what I could tell played pretty well, got 33 minutes. Like that's, I think that's kind of a, a big number for him. He played well. Uh, Obviously, Cason Wallace balled out because that's what Cason Wallace does. Um, I I almost feel bad for Cason because I feel like the team is really kind of getting lost. And he's the one that's going to suffer for this. Like, he's going to put up good numbers. They're not going anywhere. And unfortunately, I think that that hurts his overall appearance. But 24 points, three boards, five assists. Did have a few turnovers. Um, a couple turnovers that were kind of important. But overall, uh, to Shay's point, I think the Cats have figured out most things on the offensive end, and Kaysen led that effort. But defensively, this team is a train wreck. This team right now is John Calipari's worst uh, defensive squad at Kentucky. Not, not by much. Uh, the 2013 team was... Um, similar but right now the cats rank 89th in adjusted defense they were i believe 69th going into the arkansas game they gave up 88 points at rup like guys this is this is inexcusable and i I heard you you may have heard this as well um, i heard a snippet from uh, of all people chris mack um, who suggested once teams figure out that Oscar can't guard uh, a pick and roll, it, it's kind of over, and he he's wondering. And I'm going to wonder this out loud too. I, I understand that Cal isn't a believer in his own defense, and I'm not. I'm not asking that John Calipari overnight become a Jim Behan. There's no need for that, but. Could Kentucky benefit from not constantly giving teams the exact same look so they can run the exact same plays with the exact same good results? Like, is that too much to ask? Why can Kentucky not do that? Do, Do they refuse to do it because we're Kentucky and we're too good for it? I've always thought that one of the reasons why there's not much zone defense played, and Cal does tinker here and there, but I've always thought, He's trying to give his kids the best chance at the next level where zone defense is no longer illegal like it used to be when I was a kid, but you don't see a lot of zone in the NBA. So I I understand that. But can we play uh, more than a look or two a game of zone and maybe try to complicate the situation for the opposing offense just a little? Is that too much to ask?
0: No, it's not. He actually... Played a little zone, which would freak us out. I mean, Shay texted us and, like, Kentucky played zone. I was, like, blown away. I'm like, but then it was gone. Never came back. He doesn't do a lot of disruptive stuff. You know, I'm like, I'm a big believer in just a couple possessions here and there in a game can be the game. Like, if you just disrupt a little bit, a little bit of pressing, a little bit of 2-3, I don't know, two one two. Just different looks sometimes just gives you an advantage. Cal doesn't do that, man. And this team is like really poor defensively. So, a, a, go ahead, Shay.
2: Yeah, Cal, Cal, if you if I mean one of the articles this week, one of the news stories that came out was how Arkansas, one of the Arkansas managers, left the game plan that Arkansas <laughs> yeah. did at like a bar or at something, and it was like a 20-page detailed report. And You know, Cal is part of the old school part of coaching, the part of coaching that came before data analytics. Yeah. Took everything over by storm. He's the kind of guy that's like, okay, I'm not going to play zone because I got better athletes and my better athletes are just going to defend better than you. And no matter what kind of game planning you do, they're going to be better. Well, he doesn't have those kind of players anymore, you know, and you're kind of forced to focus on those data analytics. And granted, Cal has complained like he doesn't have the staff that he did with, you know, with other schools, what other schools have. Other schools have tons of guys on staff, tons of men, women, math, math people that just figure this all out for the coaching staff. And he's complained about that. And so I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but that's one of the things that that group will do. And that's one of the things that he needs to push for. And needs to argue that, look, these are the other, what are the other schools are doing This is why we need to do that. This is why all NBA teams are doing. And you know, one of the the last teams to employ that was the Los Angeles Lakers. There's no secret why they're struggling. It's that they didn't adopt data analytics. They tried to focus on talent. So that strategy isn't going to work anymore. You see how detailed Nate Oates is. You see how detailed Eric Musselman are for any average game. You can Get over that if you just have far superior athletes. But if you have a team with a six eight center who isn't athletic, you have a bunch of role players on your team, which is fine. You can win like that. You better have strategy going into that. And zone defense, I'm not a huge fan of zone defense. I think it can work in spurts. But yes. I just don't think in the three-point era, it's a, it's a great tactic to employ all the time. I mean, look at Syracuse. They used to be a blue-blood program, and now they basically don't exist and they accept mediocrity or worse than mediocrity every year. And that's kind of the way we're headed if we don't adapt or change. And Cal used to be one of the best guys in that. I personally also feel that a coach can work on that and they can do that if they're just focused on coaching. And credit to Cal, he's a great guy. I love him. I'm so glad he joined UK. But he's really focused a lot, and from people around him, from what I hear, really focused a lot about the community, about what he can do that's more than being a basketball coach. And that's a great thing but it's also affecting wing wins at this point for next season. I would like him when he, for a year that he may not have the best athletes, but he's definitely got the best talent, the best skilled talent to focus on combining some data analytics and just outclassing you because this year's team doesn't have the horses to do that. They need to focus on how can we pick our spots? which is what other teams are doing and being very successful at. There's no dominant team in college basketball this year, but I guarantee you a lot of those teams that are doing really well are focusing on, on all that stuff.
0: These are great points because when's the last time we had a team, be honest, that was probably good enough to make a deep run. I'm thinking 2019.
2: I mean, even last year, I felt the roster was good enough to make a deep run, but
0: they weren't, They weren't the athletes that we used to have. Like when we had Quickly and Maxie and Higgins and Richards, like that was a team that was built kind of to do that. I I think the way Cal's doing things right now, because it doesn't work because we don't have the personnel for it. And it's showing like we're getting like Mikel Mitchell dominated down low. He dominated Oscar. Who the Uh, fuck is Michelle Mitchell? Like he
2: was at Rhode Island.
0: He he's at at, he,
2: I don't even know where he was last year.
0: He's is. I know he's just an average 6'10" SEC center and he dominated.
1: He averaged low. 4 4.6 points per game, shot 7 out of 9 and had 15 against the Cats. Ugh, I'm going to vomit. I mean, Hold I, on I, one I, second. I, as a team, don't don't, don't vomit the uh the the, the the Buffalo Trace. Uh as a team, Arkansas shot 63% 63. Like, does? like how, that, that's like, well, we saw the game plan.
0: They're a good defensive team. They're good around the rim. We know what to do. Like, you should have a game plan to prevent that. They did exactly what they do. They turned us over. Anthony Black had 19 points. He had like fucking five turnovers. Uh, he wasn't all that, but he did enough, man. He disrupted things. Did, and there, did I not tell you guys before this season how good Ricky Council was, though? Did I not say Ricky? Can- Dude, he's so good. Yeah, nailed that so good.
2: I told you. I watched a lot of Ricky Council play, and I the way that he played, I was like, he's going to be a successful SEC guard because he's a physical guard. He's a big guard. He's incredibly skilled, and he played for. He played at a really good program, like Wichita State's a mid-major program, but they're a very good program. They run like a, a high major program. Um, Absolutely. If you you can probably even consider them. I think their times kind of passed, but you know, they are a good program, and he he is. Super skilled, and he combined that with very good athleticism. I mean, there used to be a player he reminds me of. I, th- I want to say it's like in the NBA, is it that used to play in the 90s? Was it Sh- Shandon Anderson? I think it was. Do you remember that? Is it? I forget mm-hmm. his name. Yeah, Shandon Anderson was like just got really big guard that could, that had really good athleticism and it would attack the basket really hard. He kind of reminds me of that kind of player. And I was like, he's going to be really successful in the SEC, especially when. I think the talent level of the SEC is a little bit down this year than what we expected. Um than it was last year.
0: He was outstanding, dude. He he shot the ball well from all like from the field, from three. He's gonna be SEC player of the year, I think, this year, probably, right? How how can this be? How can you bring bring back Oscar N P O Y and then a guy like Council is gonna be the best player in the league? Ugh.
2: Oscar has not had it between the ears this year.
1: Oscar's been preoccupied. He's had other things going on, I think, in his world. And basketball is a means to an end for him at this point. But last year, basketball was everything. And now, like, the finish line for him may have changed. NIL may have changed things for him. He doesn't have to be as good as he was last year. Because, frankly, he's not going to get drafted to begin with. So he I think he's all he was always going to be a player that either didn't make an NBA roster or a player that was gonna still make millions overseas like that hasn't changed So does he have to put in the same effort does he ha- does he have to have the same work ethic? No he, he he doesn't to get him in the same place So like part of me as just like a fellow human looks at that and says okay so he's realizing, he doesn't have to effort as much to get to the same place. So he's not. And I can appreciate that. But as a Kentucky basketball fan, I'm like, fuck you, Oscar. You should be doing all those things because yeah. I win games.
0: Seven, and seven I, is unacceptable.
2: I, I don't think it's better for the team. And I'll say this is a hot take. And I hope you guys agree with me. But I think I it's better if it. Oscar does not return next year, especially with the players we have coming in. And it's not because I don't like his attitude. It's not because I don't like him. I love Oscar. I just don't think that – I don't think that that kind of play or his style of play is going to make the rest of the guys as good as they could be. I want to let the guards and the one through four players next year just take it and go. As Cal says, go, go. Just go and make a big man, a rim-running big man who blocks shots and catches lobs, doesn't post up, doesn't need the ball down low. That's exactly who – Ugo and Aaron Bradshaw are. We don't. I, I think he's just going to clog up the paint, and especially with Aaron Bradshaw, I think Ugo is really good defensively. But as good Ugo is defensively, I think Aaron Bradshaw can stretch the floor really well on three. And we can all uh, we can all debate how legit on three three's is ranking and how much we respect Jamie Shaw. That's kind of a question in itself. Um, <laughs> they ranked, uh, they ranked Aaron Bradshaw the number one player in the class, which. In a class that has Justin Edwards, this is a big stretch for me. But uh-huh. I think they see like the long term potential of him. The fact that he is like Derek Lively, very similar to Derek Lively, but you know maybe better offensively, not as good defensively. And Derek Lively hasn't been very good this season. But you know that's the kind of player that that kind of ability that Aaron Bradshaw has to stretch the floor, given shoot it out to three. Of course, he's playing on a team where he's overshadowed by players that have the ball more than he does. But I really don't. I really feel like Cal needs to take the time. Just let those two guys get the majority of the minutes at the five yep. and maybe some Damian Collins, if he returns, which I, I don't know about that. I don't know if he is going to return.
0: I want him to return. Cause I can actually see that potential now. Has he bulked up? He looks bigger. I agree. I think after he lost that way, he looks, he doesn't
2: look as skinny as I remember. But yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know if he's bulked up. I I, th- I think he's a great kid. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great kid. I he's do obviously too. Been, through, been through a lot. But I just don't know if the fishbowl of Kentucky is the right situation for him at this point in his life. I think he could have a lot of success going to like a UTEP or like, you know, a school close to home. In Baylor? Texas. Not Baylor. I think Baylor even is a little bit too big. A, pl- a place where he's going to get a lot of minutes. A place where he's going to get the ball a lot. I mean, I will say Scott Drew will do a really good job with him because they've had a lot of success with guys like like yeah. with with his archetype. But I think they might have too many guys on the roster that can do that in front of him. So maybe a smaller school, like not a super small school, but like a UTEP or maybe like a TCU or something like that where he can get more run because it's hard at Kentucky. It's hard. You saw what was going on with uh, Bryce Hopkins. He It wasn't that he wasn't good. It's just there are three guys at your position already – you're not going to get hard. the ball constantly. You're not going to be the premier guy. You know, yeah. it's hard to even know how good you are if you're not getting the ball all the time.
1: Can, can we talk about Bryce Hopkins for a second? Sure. So I, I, I think we, we all saw, um, and I, I, I would like to credit, but I, I don't know where it came from, but it was on Twitter. And it was an analytic that showed um, the only 17 players in Division One that are averaging – uh, 17 points and five rebounds against quad one opponents. And out of those 17 players, there are two Kentucky players. Let, let me name former. them. Former. I I, I, I was just going to say two Kentucky players. You can say former. Uh, one is Bryce Hopkins, who's averaging 20, 20 points and 10 rebounds. In fact, him and, and Zach Eady are the only ones that are averaging 20 and 10 against quad one opponents. And Keon Brooks averaging 17 and a half points in seven rebounds. Um, you know, I, I understand Kentucky isn't for everybody, and I'm not here to, to you know, stir the pot. Um, I, that's, that's not what my point is. But sure. I can say definitively that even the kids that leave the program are still really good basketball players. They need a place to fit in. And to Shay's point, that may be difficult. If you have two or three guys that are in front of you, it may be difficult to see minutes. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have as good or better of a career at the college level as them. It just means that for whatever reason, you're not getting your time, your minutes now. And I don't begrudge those kids when they go someplace else. But let's I not pretend that that doesn't happen because those kids blow up when they go other places. And I'm proud for them. I'm glad to see him do that because, ask yourselves this, if if you were ever privileged enough to put on the Kentucky Blue jersey and you weren't getting the minutes and you had a chance to go someplace else and do that for your career, wouldn't that at least be a consideration? Because it would be for me. Yeah, it's a big difference between eight minutes and 38 minutes. Exactly. Huge. And frankly, Bryce Hopkins may end up being his conference's player of the year. I love his may- pace. He has got good pace. He may not be the best player in the conference. But, may not be the best pro. Probably isn't. I, but he, he give- may be the most valuable player in the conference. I, 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 will,
2: I will defend John Calperry in Kentucky a little bit. Like, the Big East is not the SEC. It, yeah. it's. It, I get it. You know, he's averaging a lot against quad one opponents. I
1: mean, those are quad one teams.
2: Yeah. And it, it's not – I don't think Kentucky did a thing to hold back him or didn't recognize his talent. It's just guys are at the on of the program longer, probably Cal felt more comfortable with, which is natural for a coach. Are you going to get, and I, I really do think in the summer, Jacob Toppin showed that he took it the next step and it's taken him like 15, 20 games in the season to show that he actually is a lot better than he was last season. I mean, he's been playing really well, really good basketball.
0: He really um, has, but he's
2: sharing. I mean, when Bryce Hopkins goes to Providence, that's it's him. And that's it. He's the number one option. Jacob Toppin is not the number one option in Kentucky. So now even it, it's fine, it's fine to say he's gotten better. Keon Brooks has gotten is, is a very good basketball player, but he mm-hmm. was never going to be that that basketball player. He is at Washington that he is at Kentucky when they give him a bunch of minutes. He has he has an unlimited leash. He has like he's not going to be pulled from the game for whatever reason. And that's fine. I'm really glad those guys have a success. Me too. It, it doesn't mean that we did something wrong. I mean, Bryce Hopkins probably no. was told that if you want more minutes, we need to get your conditioning right. And it's hard. It's hard coming from high school, being the being so much better than everyone else, going going to college where you need to have utmost conditioning when guys have already yeah. been in the program for two, three years. He needed to go somewhere not only where he got more minutes, but where he, the, the style of play suited him and that he could play through mistakes. And unfortunately – for some players, it's it's not John Calipari that's going to let you play through mistakes. That's one of my faults with John Calipari. It's hard. Yeah. He lets some guys play through mistakes, like Keon Brooks last year, like Oscar Sheboy this year. And he doesn't let other guys play through mistakes. But letting a senior play through mistakes and not letting a freshman play through mistakes, I think that's pretty common. You know.
0: Cal has a short leash for certain players. He like yeah. does not give you much room for it. Um, Let's talk about CJ Frederick, especially in this Arkansas game. Like, man, like goose egg, no points, one assist. Oh, that's pretty much it. One foul. He played 21 minutes. (laughs) Like, I don't know guys. Like I'm thinking like there's certain times where CJ, if he's not hitting shots, he's not giving you anything. It might be time to try somebody else off the bench. Yeah. I don't know. A do? Maybe a do comes in. He's physical. Uh, he's a good – he's tough. Like, he's a this is shooter? Kind of game. Yeah, put him in. Like, put him in because CJ is not getting anything for us. And there was a time where we're fighting to get back in the game. I'm like, but you can see that CJ is not producing Cal. I, I always have a problem with Cal and his substitution stuff. This was one that really bugged me. Because CJ was just not effective at all.
1: Cal pulls uh, people's names out of a hat for his substitution pattern. And, and you, oh. you, can't, you, you can't convince me otherwise. Uh, I mean, Adu got zero minutes. Uh, he got zero minutes. Like, Cal mm-hmm. played seven players. Uh, Reeves didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but still had 11 points off the bench. Uh, Collins did play pretty well. Uh, but that, that, that was it. Like, nobody else played. Ugo didn't play. Um, Seven-man. Seven-man rotation. Yeah, yeah, so man, and you know what? I I don't I actually don't mind that. Like 7 or or 8 come tournament time. Um I think that's kind of ideal and we've talked a little bit about that. But um you can't have a starter that goes 0 for 4 from the field and gives you zero points. Like you you just you can't. And CJ seems to be um as streaky of a shooter as there is. And like most other, many other at least, basketball players, shooters especially, um, their defense feeds from their offense. Their hustle feeds from their ability to hit shots. And if those shots aren't going down uh, mentally, you're not the same player. And if you're not the same player mentally, that checks into physically you won't be there either. And it's it's tougher for C.J. physically to play defense to begin with. So you take him out of his – his offensive game, and no, you're not going to get anything from him. So I don't know why we saw him for 21 court minutes. Um, it's it, it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, like the kid, um, I, I like his trajectory for his career. I think he's going to take over for Dane Bradshaw and the C, and the SEC Network at some point, and yeah. he's going to be outstanding. And it looks like an area that, that he wants to, to, to work in, and I think that's fantastic. But you can't have a starter that goes over. You can't – if you have your, your two wing scores are like
0: four for 16, we lose. And Oscar's I mean, not playing well down low. We lose. CJ, CJ was – Terrible. CJ was getting after it defensively, and then
2: Reese was getting after it offensively, but not giving you anything on defense. And it was like, I wish they were the same player. because. <laughs> It, it, when
0: you want to morph those two guys into like I a mean, super player.
2: I I, I, understand. I think we need to get Reeves. I think we just
0: roll with Reeves. He, Should we have Ray start and CJ come off the yeah, bench? Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I don't yes. think it matters too much, but it, Reeves has proven to me, at least, that he needs to be back next year. I want him back on the team. I, too. I don't know if I can say the same thing about CJ. I think I would like it, but I think it, there might be too many other guys at his spots. But Reeves, he has proven he could score at the highest levels. I think he's gotten very comfortable, like, at playing at this level. And a lot of the games, I, I will say he's given it, get, gotten after it defensively. But Cal is finally using him correctly. That's the thing. Like, Cal is finally letting him cook, not making him a wing scorer because he's not a wing, uh, a wing off the curl scorer. He's a guy that will score off the ba- bounce. He'll score off the dribble. He's a three-level scorer, like you said. He's – um He's shown me a lot, and I'm very impressed with him because his numbers, obviously, he's played limited minutes, he's played off the bench, but he has some of the better numbers per minute played, you know, and he scores in bunches. And like he affects the rhythm of the game, and he will score one, a bucket, a bucket here, a bucket there, a bucket there. And like he's getting more and more confident. And I want to see more minutes to go to him if possible. Yes. Maybe maybe even start him. I really hope that he comes back next season. If he comes back and he's the backup shooting guard, that would be huge. If Dilly doesn't end up coming and he's a starting shooting guard, I'll still think, okay, that's that might that might be okay. Cause he'll be he'll probably be that the player he is now. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, at least.
0: When we reach the ball, I'm like, it's going in. <laughs> I just always feel confident like that. And he has good handles. He's got a good mid range game has a beautiful three-point stroke. So I'm I want him back next year.
2: All he can't do is he can he's not a great creator. No. Like uh, he doesn't he doesn't assist a lot of baskets, but he will create for himself.
0: Which we need. <laughs> we do need that. Anything else about the Arkansas game guys you want to go over? Uh sucks to lose at home. We've been so
2: good at home over the last couple seasons. Arkansas is a very good coach team, despite their record. I mean, Eric Musselman, I ha- he has my respect. Uh, possibly a future Kentucky coach, I don't know. But this is a game that was easily winnable because they are good, but they're not that good. Uh, I thought that – I think I said before the game, if Oscar eats inside, this is an easy Kentucky win. He did nothing. He gave us absolutely nothing. And that's when I was realized that it's probably not going to be a Kentucky win.
0: When you know, Mikael uh, Mitchell destroyed him down low, I was, like, so shocked by that.
1: Yeah. Um, d- defensively, we knew that there were issues. But uh, Oscar only took six shots. It Hit half of them. Only took six shots. O- only had one trip to the free throw line. Was one out of one from the line. Like, I, here's the deal. I understand that we don't necessarily want our offense running through Oscar. And, and I get that. We've talked about that. Adam, yep. but. Your leading scorer only gets six shots. It's weird. Is he too scared I, I to shoot? Ah, uh, I mean, he should. You know what he should be scared of? He should be scared of shooting long twos, because I would yank his ass in a minute, even for taking a long two. That's not your shot. It's a seventeen-footer. The seventeen-footer? 17 nope. 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 Yeah, they—they're
0: always trying to. Yeah, go ahead, Oscar. Shoot that. Shoot that seventeen, eighteen-footer, man. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the next few games. We're at Georgia, so in Athens on Saturday. Not an easy game. I mean, none we of the games
2: w- this season have been easy. Yeah, <laughs> what
0: is an easy game now, Terry? Well, we don't have any more because we – everything at home, we had a chance to win. We should have won. We, we fucked it up. So we got to beat Georgia at Georgia. Then we're going to Mississippi State. That is a very hard game because they're playing pretty well. Then we have the stupid Vols back in Lexington. They're going to want revenge. <laughs> then we're at Florida. And Florida and Gainesville is going to be hard. Then we got Auburn. Somehow we're like tied for fourth in the SEC. I don't even know how this is possible. Here we are. If College basketball if we, is
2: mid, that's why. Dude, yeah. if we
0: win a few of these games, we could be like second or third in the SEC and kind of suck.
1: Well, yeah, like if you want to look at um, Georgia, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, Vandy, and Arkansas to close out the season. Right now, Ken Palm is suggesting that Kentucky goes three and four in those games, nice. uh, win went, went against Georgia, and then three consecutive losses um, on the road at Mississippi State in Starkville, lost at home against Tennessee, lost on the road in Gainesville, uh, back-to-back wins auburn and vandy and then a loss to close out the season um in fayetteville yeah and i I gotta say i I think that's probably pretty fair i I think that's probably what will happen so question
0: uh
2: basketball plus crew back in msg for the nit
0: (laughs) oh my god i I ain't going with better better Uh, weather better weather (laughs) uh we just we gotta steal one of those games i don't know
1: uh this is stressful. You, you know, it, I it, don't it's want any more matter. stress. No, I, it doesn't matter what games we steal, what games we don't steal. Here's my hot take: um, Kentucky is not an NCAA tournament team. I see, I see Kentucky. When 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 you see a uh, last four teams in, first four teams out, whatever. If you're on those two lines, you're not going to make a tournament. Not, not this time of year because um, with other teams that are losing, who should be winning. The, the last four in always moves. So if you're on a last four in or first four out, to me, that signals that you are probably in line for a one or two seed in the NIT. And I think that's what Kentucky is. I think the best that we can hope for is an NIT one seed. And I, I, used, to, I used to be the college basketball Kentucky snob fan to say, you know what? Uh, you don't want to give us an NCAA tournament bid. That's fine. Let's just turn down the NIT bid because we're 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 too good for the NIT. We're not. We're not anymore. And I'm not that fan anymore. You play the games that you play, you win the games that you play, and you shut your mouth. And Kentucky is an NIT team, and that's all they can do this year.
2: Yeah, you gotta Shame. eat your humble pie. You gotta eat your humble pie. I agree with you. Ah, uh, you get invited there. You're not too good for anything. Um, my my dad always taught me. He's like, there, you're you're never too good for any job, any job, any any task. I don't care if you were the the richest man on earth or you're are on on level one. Nothing is too good for you. You know, you should be able to do that. So I I 100% agree. I'm not turning down an NIT bid. If we lose in the first round of the NIT, our team wasn't good. And we showed up, though, because worse than worse than not showing up, worse than a loss is not showing up.
1: You know, know, one of the highlights that sticks out in my mind, and you guys remember this, I'm sure, because it sticks out in your mind as well. One of the best highlights in Kentucky basketball history, as far as I'm concerned, was that Perry Stevenson dunk at Memorial (laughs) Coliseum in the NIT. Let's not pretend that the NIT can't be fun. It, it it signals that you're not a great team this year and we already know that. There's nothing new there. But let's have fun. Let's go out and compete and try it's to for win the these fans. Games. It's for, for the fans. For the fans. That's right. Yeah. That's why yeah. they played it in Memorial, because of the fans.
0: I just 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 sneak us in the tournament. I don't care to play in game. I'm okay with NIT. I can handle it if it happens, but just get us in the tournament. Let's just hope that between now and whatever, March the 1st, that we actually figure out something, can make some shots, maybe get lucky, somehow get three out of five of these wins, and kind of sneak in, you know, because it's not just us, it's the other teams that are on the bubble as well. If they kind of suck and they fall off, maybe we move up.
1: Terry, wouldn't it be ironic if, because we all know John Calipari's feelings toward the SEC tournament. Wouldn't it be ironic if this team was not going to make the tournament but ended up somehow, crazily enough, winning the SEC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament? I mean, it happened to the Lady Cats, right?
2: happened to the Lady Cats last year.
1: Exactly.
0: It would actually be great because a lot of Kentucky fans go down to the SEC tournament. It's a wonderful time for them. They deserve it. And Cal has always poo-pooed that. But for us, it's a big deal. Like, we like winning it. We got a lot of wins over the years, so it's not it's a big deal to us. Yep, kick some SEC ass, man. That's right. Guys, are we good? We we covered everything?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's so much more to talk about. We could probably complain the all night if we wanted to, but I don't think that will do us any good. I think we're on the outside looking in and all we can do is hope for the best. And I kind of have the mindset that let's just enjoy the basketball that we watch, get ready for next season. Might be Cal's last season. For those of us who are sad, we'll be sad that he's leaving. For those of us excited, changes on the horizon. So that's kind of my mindset right now. What can you do? I mean, Kentucky is always going to be – there are going to be years here and there where we're bad, and there are going to be years we're good. It's happened too many times to know that we're going anywhere else. So um, I'm hoping that that that's what occurs.
0: We're not the only blue blood right now struggling, so that kind of gives me a little bit of – Hope, I guess, <laughs> you know, we all kind of struggle right now. So that's going to do it for our show tonight. Here's where you can find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Arizona T Y J O. You can find us on our, our podcast, new Twitter account at the ball buzz pod and Michael, where can everybody find you on social media?
2: Yeah. You can find me at a Bobstar uh, on Twitter. I go by Shay. I go by Akshay. Um, yeah, I'm out here in sunny Southern California. Finally, sunny again. So, looking forward to hearing from you guys. Thank you.
1: And everybody, you can find me on Twitter at mgsimmons5280. That's at mgsimmons5280, home of the Denver Nuggets, who sadly today traded away Bones Highland, but uh, we did get a backup center. And uh, Terry, what, what, why are you, why are you thumbing down on that? <laughs> We we, need, we we needed the backup center. We took a kid from Indiana. I mean, I don't know what our thoughts are about that. but uh, And we also had a, co- a couple of Kentucky guys that did get traded and moved around. Uh, for my money, the NBA trade deadline is one of the most exciting days of the basketball year. There's so much that goes on, so many things happening. It affects so many guys. Uh, today it affected, uh, I think, three Kentucky guys. Uh, Kevin Knox moved. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt moved. Who am I missing? Somebody else moved as well. Knox went to Portland. Where did Vanderbilt go? Lakers Vanderbilt. yeah, Vanderbilt went, went to the Lake Show. Uh, where Winnie and Gabriel is now. Okay. Uh, so yeah, like you know Big blue Nation, uh, we, we we got stuff going on at every level. Most of it's good, not all, but most of it's good.
0: That's good stuff. As always, we appreciate your support. Until next episode, keep sipping bourbon and go cats.